When the TV is on all day without rest, Mama knows it's too much, and Mama knows best. I love television, sir. And tonight, it isn't just about the very best of this past year. It's all about the things that we love about television. Huzzah, wife. Fucking huzzah. Huzzah, husband. And finally, Miss Lady Hawk herself, Mayor Sheen! You're fighting so you can watch everyone around you die. Think, Mark. And now you're going to play Nate's false nine so when the team fuck up, which they will, okay, you can blame it on me. Well, no, fuck that. Fucking joke. Without me, you wouldn't have won a single match and they would have shipped your ass back to Kansas where you fucking belong with your, with your son. I fucking win. Oh, go on, go on, fuck off, you nosy fucking pedestrians. Hello, you nosy pedestrians, and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. I'm afraid that now that succession is over, we might have lost our personality. But you know what? We just sold your run. Today, we're going to talk about shows that you may have not heard about this year, that we thought were quite good. And then later in the episode, I'm going to give my top 10 TV shows of the year. So hopefully, you leave this episode with a few more shows to watch. There's a new Spotify feature which allows you to rate the podcast and obviously helps us grow. So please just give us a rating. It's right there on the show page under our name. So yeah, let's get into the episode. Joining me to talk about all these incredible TV shows. He's been campaigning for more sex on Sex Lives of College Girls. It's Jeremiah. I never, I never did that. Hi guys. Um, yeah, it's Jeremiah. I'm glad to be back. How are you? Are you ready to talk about TV? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start with you, Jeremiah. Um, what shows are on your list? Should I say all of them or go one by one? I feel like I want to do a reveal. Go one by one. Let's make it dramatic. I'm going to start with the show that gives us, probably gives us two completely different TV shows in one, but does it so beautifully. It's a show called Kevin Can F Himself, starring Annie Murphy, who you might know from Shit's Creek, who is married to Kevin. Kevin is your your average sitcom um, goof, an oompa loompa for lack of a better term. He's a terrible person. Like, you know the person that just gets into those ridiculous hijinks, but the world just seems to revolve so around them. every sitcom man from the Flintstones till 2020. Pretty much Homer, Fred, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And Annie Murphy plays Allison, who unfortunately has the experience of being their wife, who is essentially never really in the show except for one joke or another. The show takes its name from a play on a previous show called Kevin Can Wait from a few years ago, where it got into some controversy because a short while in, they killed off their female lead because they felt... The excuse was that they were running out of ideas so early on in their run anyway. But the unofficial line is they wanted to break, they wanted to introduce a new character um, played by a woman who the main, the leading man, uh, Kevin James, had worked with previously. So like the main, the leading woman was so disposable, they just killed her off to bring in someone else um, eventually. And it's like, yeah, Kevin can fuck himself. Um, genuinely love everything about this show. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear the original pitch of blending a sitcom, a happy-go-lucky sitcom, with a a dark, twisted drama, not really twisted, just dark and probably gritty, yeah. mm-hmm. people think, oh, this is going to be a gimmick. Okay, so when Kevin is in the scene, you're going to be all happy and sitcom, and when he's not in the scene, oh, it's going to be dark and gritty. Okay, we'll get tired of this pretty quickly. But you don't, because... The show makes sure it's more than a gimmick. It's actually a storytelling device because at some point you start to you start to take in the dark drama as not just Allison's reality, but our reality where the world is grounded in. And at some point you start to understand just how disturbed she is by living with Kevin. Um, I should probably have opened with the actual conflict of the show, which is not just the fact that they're exposing us to the world behind the sitcom without all the bright lights, without all the colors, which you will see a lot of. But also, um, she has decided she's going to kill him because this is the only well, way. Yeah, I think you should, probably should have started with, with that. Yeah, so Kevin Can Fuck Himself is about a, is about a wife who has decided 
Her husband has had way too much control over her life. He has isolated her from her friends for 10 years. He has railroaded her every opportunity. She has had to become better. And she realizes the only way to get out of his grasp isn't to leave him, but it's to kill him. But the show does it in such a beautiful way that you find... Sounds like Tom. You find yourself... (laughs) You find yourself rooting for her. Because you understand that the victim of the show is not Kevin, it's Alison. And I just think the poise, the charm, the wit with the jokes, the commentary on just how difficult it is for people to leave those toxic situations that they're, that they're stuck in. Even the questions that Alison herself is forced to contend with, um, the consequences of her own actions, uh, how they affect her goal, how far would she go to achieve this goal that she has? How far are you willing to go? And what lines will you cross for the people that you love or for the things that you really, really want? But also, what does it mean to be a good person and whether or not you're a good person? Because I think at some point you, you question whether she's the victim of this story, but is she also the villain in someone else's story? We're all the villains in someone else's story. I'm the villain in my own story. Um, and honestly, the one thing I would say, Annie Murphy's performance is beautiful. From the first scene, when she's playing in the sitcom, she is... Her timing is perfect. She's great. She has chemistry with Kevin and all the other goofs in his life. And when she's playing the dramatic scenes, you see her unravel. It's well-paced from episode to episode. I thought it would be like, ooh, this is one of those shows that's going to have a sick concept and then just kind of filter out in the middle. But it didn't. The show is honest. The show is beautiful. The show is fun. Like, if you just want to watch a sitcom and see some stupid guy getting stupid stuff and get away with it, watch Kevin can fuck himself. But if you also want to see something that's not a revenge fantasy, but a true depiction of what it's like to feel trapped and how far you might want to go to leave it, then watch Kevin can fuck yourself because it's a great show. It's a great two shows. Speaking of sick concepts, let's talk about Only Murders in the Building. So I know this is one of the shows that you were interested in talking about this is a show that i really like this year as well it stars the comedy legend martin short and steve martin and as well as your childhood crush why would you expose me like that so you're not good i don't know i just feel like anyway okay do you want to talk about only mothers in building yeah um i have practiced this in the mirror and i will not mess it up from the from the moment I saw the trailer for the show and then I watched the first episode, it was actually when I watched the first episode, I knew I was gonna do this. Um because I am so glad to be talking about Selena Gomez? No, no, no. Oh. Um, well yes, but also I couldn't pass up on the opportunity to talk for a podcast about a show that's about a podcast on a podcast about shows. Yeah, now listen! That's called motherfucking bars, nigga! You know nothing about that! I just couldn't miss it. What if I had said no? It would have happened one way or another. How well do you know your neighbors? You see many of them every day. But have you ever wondered what goes on behind their doors? Are you associated with the deceased? No, no. We're neighbors in the building. Mm-hmm. So you don't know him? Just in passing. Not his passing. No, yes. When we passed by him. Before he passed. That's right. We find the right connection. All this cracks open. I can't tell if I want it to be nothing or for it to be something. We began with the question, how well do you know your neighbors? Turns out the ones you thought you knew best might be the ones you know the least. Every true crime story is actually true for someone. And this is just occurring to you. I think we should just hit him with the charm. Good. Excellent. So I'll take the lead on this. Excuse me? Well, I can turn on the charm. Is it on now? <sighs> it's just warming up. Only Murders in the Building follows the three people I mentioned earlier, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Serena Gomez, investigate a murder that happened in their building via their own true crime podcast. I don't think I need to give out any other information apart from that. I think that's like, Good enough. Honestly, yes. Anything else, just we'll go into spoiler territory. But like, yeah, there are three people who are obsessed with um, true crime podcasts. I mean, maybe the most unrealistic thing about that is that only one of them is a woman because <laughs> every woman I know in my life 
just loves his true crime stuff. But um, uh-huh. there's a murder in the building, and because they're obsessed with true crime podcasts, they decide to investigate the murder as well as start a podcast about it. Because obviously, it's on FX on Hulu, as I believe. No, sorry, just on Hulu, and it's on Disney Plus. I guess everywhere else from America. So yeah, I think you guys should check that out. Their, their performances are great. Like they, uh, I'm not as familiar with Steve Martin and Martin Short as everyone else seems to be, um, but you can see the chemistry was great. And so you know, this, uh, everyone talks about Selena Gomez bringing the best of herself. I agree. Um, and she was not out of place with them. She did balance the whole um, millennial and these boomers are, are they don't understand anything that's going on like they were, the show didn't focus too much on that dynamic and i like that it, it took me a second to to get into the tune of Selena's performance i don't know if it's mm. i'm thinking i don't think i've seen her in anything since maybe wizards which I'm, hmm. yeah maybe right, not even not even another cinderella story definitely not another cinderella story um but yeah it took me it took me like a couple of episodes to get but i think once i got into it i was like okay this is what she's doing this is who this character is and i think it was a bit it was easier for me from then on since we're still talking about tv and core concepts i will move on to made for love it's a show from hbo it came out very early this year i hope hbo max hbo max oh shit um yes before the three HBO doesn't know about this podcast, trust me. Yeah, so it's a show that came out on HBO Max starring Chris, is it Christine McGovern. How dare you forget the name of my, my fave. She's my fave too, but I wanna, I wanna, that's why I want to get it right. Christine Mioti, a.k.a. The Mother. Well, that's a spoiler for that show. That's their business. I'm sorry, this show ended like five, six years ago. Fair enough. A.k.a. Leo DiCaprio's first wife in Wolf of Wall Street. AKA star of the short lived A to Z. That is true. Palm Springs last year, which is making movies you might know from Black Mirror when she played on USS Callister. That was the episode she was on, wasn't it? Yeah. It's so funny that those are maybe two of like, I really love her in both those things, but like, I didn't, they didn't even come to mind because I just love her in so many other things that I didn't even think about Honestly, Palm Springs and USS Callister. Made for Love follows a couple played by Christine Milioti and Billy Magnuson. Who is one of the few white boys I have active stock in right now. That makes sense. That makes sense. Both their performances are magnificent, so, like, fair enough. He's a tech entrepreneur, genius, inventor, creator, one of those guys that think to create for efficiency as opposed to solving problems. So he thinks, why spend time cooking and eating food when you can just have cubes that give you your nutrients and your diets? Byron introduces Made for Love, which is revolutionary tech, a chip that can be implanted in your head and you and your partner can know each other's thoughts. Um, because if there are no secrets between you, then you should have the perfect relationship. Unfortunately for him, his wife, who he has decided he will be user one with, also wants to leave him. And that brings in our conflict of the show. And over eight episodes, we follow um, Hazel as she reconnects with the people that she hasn't seen outside the hub for the last 10 years. We understand uh, we, we understand how it is she got into the situation with this controlling narcissist of a man. We start to explore the steps that she will take to try and escape the clutches of this man who wants total control over her life, down to the point where she has to rate her orgasms and compare them to previous ones um, for his own, um, I guess adoration because it's not for her yeah but i mean to be fair i do kind of i usually ask ex-girlfriends to do that just (laughs) for educational purposes i mean yeah but like every single time like it's in a yeah just you need to know you can never have too much information did you ever actually love me i look and stare so deep in your eyes i touch on you more and more every time when you leave i'm begging you not to go Call your name two, three times in a row. Such a funny thing for me to try to explain how I'm feeling, and my pride is the one to blame. Because I know I don't understand just how your love can do what no one else can. Dad! I left Byron. Why? What'd he do? Your loves. He put a surveillance chip in my brain. Got me looking so crazy right now. (laughs) Crazy right now. 
Your loves. He is just watching all of this play out. Looking so crazy. Crazy right now. What about our vows? Crazy right now. Together, we will become a singular living God. You agreed to this. I thought those were metaphors! This is where it's similar to Kevin. So these two shows, they take completely different approaches, but they both give us a character who has to contend with the fact that it's not easy to leave, leave the situation that they're currently in, um, deal with a world that they've been isolated from for Funny enough, both shows have both these women trying to leave 10-year marriages or 10-year relationships that just don't seem to work. Anyway, they don't they don't they don't come off as preachy when they talk about society. I'm trying to find what else to say because uh, anything else would go into spoiler territory. You can end it there, like no one's marking your paper. The concept is great. The the critics who thought it might do in the middle in the middle were wrong and it's a very satisfying show that questions, again, what you would do for the situation you want and the people that you love. Real quick, um, it makes sense why they would like, why 10 would be the number because it's, it's large enough that you get the impression that a large chunk of your life has been committed to this, mm. this thing. And it makes sense why the, the victims would, one, still have the urge to, to escape, but also be so brainwashed that they've stayed this long and also it's not too long where you feel like your life is completely wasted Over, like yeah. you can still fix so to 10 makes sense um i, I also what made for love i you made a lot of good points and blah blah and everything but i really just watched it because of focus to me don't say man i have made my peace that i'm someone who can literally just watch okay not not if the show is bad obviously but if the show is even like as, as tom would say the bottom of the top I can just curse on that show the if I love, like, the the actor or the performance or whatever. No, I, I fully get you. I believe you have, before we go and talk about my top 10 list, I believe you have one more show that you wanted to... I think this one is a bit more popular than some of the other shows that you mentioned, but, yeah. Do you want to talk about the show that I alluded to in your intro? <laughs> yes. Um... We probably didn't address this, but when I was thinking about this episode, my my approach was shows that I enjoyed in the year, but um, also that I didn't think it would be too popular. Um, I guess I thought, well, I should have known a show from Mindy Kaling on HBO showing just after Gossip Girl would probably... Why are you not giving credit to HBO Max? HBO Max. My bad, my bad, my bad. Um, maybe because I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. I didn't think I would do, or I thought I would do an episode begging people to watch it, even if it's not, you know, stellar, but it turned out. Yeah, we don't do that on this podcast. Yeah, but turned out that The Sex Lives of College Girls is absolutely stellar. It is a is great it? show. Are you yes, a fan? I think. Are you a fan of The Sex Lives of College Girls? Oh my God. Yes. And you? Because there are so many stories to tell that so many people can relate to. And we like to see pets. That's why we like Gossip Girl too. We like to see what? Mess. Like we like to see oh. messy stuff on TV. Okay, I was I I was not what I, I was okay. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I was like, what? what? Where's this, where's this podcast going? <laughs> what did you hear? I, I don't even. I, I can't even say it. I can't repeat it. I can't repeat it. Um, I had a personal. We'll get back to you in a second, but I'm trying to hijack the podcast. I had a personal re- realization. If you months maybe or last year i can't remember i didn't realize how much i just like mindy kaling's stuff mm-hmm. i watched the mindy project when it was on start to finish i like mindy kaling as a person i, I like mm-hmm. watching her on chat shows and things like that i like her as a person and as, as a creator and every time she brings us a new show i go into like oh okay, obviously i watch every i watch everything so i'm gonna watch it and then every time without fail as it goes and i'm like this is incredible, and I'm loving this, and this is so great. And then it resets. It's like I always forget how much I love her shows. I went into Four Weddings and a Funeral, the TV adaptation that she did with um, Natalie Emanuel, and I was like, okay, well, whatever, I'll watch it. And then I was like, oh, this is this is incredible. There was a Mosala joke. I was like, I am in heaven. And then obviously every season of Never Have Ever that comes out, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. And then I'm like, I I love these characters. Like this is this is incredible. But yeah, talk about sex of college girls. Um, 
I think the first thing you should know going to the show is while the trailer is all like everything you would expect from a show with frats and college people and parties and drinks and finals and cheating and professors. The show, some people have beef with the title, but the show literally gives you exactly what it says in the title. It gives you the sex lives of college girls. It gives you the messy sex lives of college girls. It gives you the beautiful stories. It gives you the painful stories. But most importantly, it gives you the honest stories. Um, and I think when you follow these four characters that you meet through the journeys over these first few episodes, um, you just discover so many layers to what sex lives in college and in larger society have become or not even have become or just what they are and the kind of stories and things situations that people will pass through without without the support that they need or at least feel like they don't have the support that they need i think that the show does that with such a beautiful blend of humor and and like just social commentary just going through um so many things, the show touches on consent, it touches on sexual assault, it touches on identity politics, it touches on coming out and the entire, um, I guess, the entire sort of conflict around that. It touches on hypersexuality, it touches on even just being more sex positive. Yeah, I think, I think most importantly, though, like, the show is funny. It's actually a very funny show. Honestly, it's easy to say, "Oh, the show talks about this, this, this," and then feel like I don't want to feel like, "Oh, it's a way to." It, it's just it's actually a very funny show. Like Medikin is a very funny person, and it's a funny. That's show. the thing. None of these things come off in any. Oh, we're doing this situation to preach about this thing. Like none of these situations come off that. They they're just happening, and you watch them like you watch any regular show, and you laugh, but you're left with something that makes you think. Just in a way. And I think that that's just how she's able to use her pen in such a very specific way. If and when we do an episode, yes, I'm saying when we do an episode on sex lives, and maybe Gossip Girl, I will be on that episode. Definitely have a lot to say. I mean, okay, I, I wouldn't be on that Gossip Girl episode, but you can be. You don't say anything about sex lives. Well, I don't, this is the sex lives episode. Um, no, 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 no. There will be a deep dive episode too. The you world deserves go, go on the hunt. I mean, I think I think the thing is like for these for these other shows, and I think while I enjoy the shows a lot, I don't necessarily go into them thinking I can't wait to have five podcast episodes on this show. <laughs> right, I'm just saying. I was like, so I don't think that's the itch, at least for me, that these shows are built to mm. to scratch. So, yeah. Final thoughts on sex lives that you want to share? Um. I just want to say that the two weeks where we got a double dose of Gossip Girl and Sex Lives and I didn't have anything else to do on a Friday morning were glorious because that second half of Gossip Girl was incredible. The first half was there, but the second half double barreled with Sex Lives. Those mornings were incredible and I will never forget those Friday mornings. Okay, well, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you, I guess. It sounds like you are very fulfilling. <laughs> Fulfilling Friday morning. No, it was it was it was a it was a good time, and I I just enjoyed watching them. You sound quite emotional. I, I don't I don't want you to start crying on my podcast because of Gossip Girl and success of. <laughs> uh, okay, so those are the shows that Jeremiah believes were not spoken about too much, and that he really liked. So if you guys are looking for shows to watch, and then maybe maybe you think they're terrible, you can always like it's at J A Y R O underscore A. Yeah, enter my DMs. Insult him. Tell him the telling me suggestions were were terrible. Obviously, suggestions were Kevin can fuck himself, made for love, only murders in the building, and sex lives of college girls. Okay, we're back, and now the no like lowercase. I was gonna say the main event was like lowercase main. Um, because you know Jeremiah, I have all the respect for you, and we love that you're on this podcast. So you were the main event. I'm gonna give my top ten. I'm still processing that. Like, it's like that was a thinly veiled insult, like with a compliment sandwich. Yeah, no, no. On this podcast, we just threw things at you. We threw everything like hundred miles an hour. You, whatever you catch, you catch. Uh, I told you what's when the hangover of succession. I don't know what I'm saying. I might finish this podcast. I never know that we've recorded a podcast. I'm just, I'm just throwing things out right now. We should have done, we should have done this entire episode 
with a rule that you're only allowed to speak like like Kendall in complete sentences only. Oh, yeah, but then I'd have needed mm, <laughs> I'd have needed like a whole like week to get into character. I also have a very grueling process, and I I need to be like full sad boy, uh, dad. Uh huh. It's a good thing we're not doing that because I'd have been a lot. Come to this top ten list, please. Yeah. The rules are rules. Uh, the show must have come out or aired a season this year. Uh, they must have finished their run at the time of recording. So unfortunately, that means casualties for this rule are insecure, which I'm assuming would have been on my top 10 somewhere. Hawkeye, which by the time people listen to this, the final episode would have come out, but not the time we're recording, so I can't do anything because maybe in the finale, Vincent D'Onofrio comes out in a fat suit. Mm-hmm. If that's a spoiler for you, then you shouldn't be this far, far back behind on Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> and Mayor of Kingstown, um, I haven't seen a second of Station Eleven, but it really looks like it's going to be quite good, and I think it's kind of showed I've made my made I've made my top ten. So I'm going to find a way to probably get it into my top ten for next year, because it finishes in January, so I can figure that out. Every show on this list is a show that I love. As the populist that I am, I've tried to balance my own personal tastes or appreciations for these shows with their objective quality. So essentially, if I really like a show, but I know it's not as good as on that show, I wouldn't just put it above because I really like it. Like, I'm trying to balance it out. I'm trying to be diplomatic and, and shit. You're a better man than me. So I found it very difficult to stick to a top 10. Of course. But then I realized that it's my podcast. So I added five honorable mentions. So my honorable mentions are... Only Murders in the Building, which obviously Jeremiah has already spoken about. Um, the Good Fight, which is a spin-off of The Good Wife, created by The Good Wife creators, Robert and Michelle King. The Good Fight is so good. Honestly, if you've never been with The Good Wife, you can just start watching The Good Fight. It's so funny, so smart, it's just incredible acting, just a really good show. Uh, another show my honorable mentions is a similar Robert and Michelle King production, which is Evil, starring Mike Coulter. Um, I think I've spoken about Evil before, I think with Jimmy B and, and Simta. And it's a show that is very difficult to explain. But it's a show about a Catholic priest and a psychologist who investigates crimes to see if they are either done by criminals or by people being possessed. True or false? I like mechanics magazines. <laughs> are you serious? False. I have diarrhea once or more a month. False, but thanks for asking. I like the sound of a woman screaming. Orson? Is my client possessed by a demon? Are you referring to demons metaphorically or clinically? Ms. Bouchard, I work for the Catholic Church. So you're a priest? No, an assessor. My colleague Ben and I investigate unexplained phenomenon. I didn't know that was a job. It is. I don't believe in all that. Devils and possession. The problem with my job is that possession looks a lot like insanity. And I need someone to help me distinguish between the two. There are people out there who do bad things and encourage others for the pleasure of it. Psychopaths? Yes. This is where our beliefs overlap. Like every Michelle and Robert King production, it's it's funny, it's quick, it's smart, it's great acting, and sometimes it's just like pure horror, like just a horror show. Um, all honorable mentions: Sex Education. Fair enough. Dave season two came out this year. It's an FX show, almost semi-autobiographical by Leo Dickey, Dave Bird. He plays a rapper who's trying to make it. So and then. The sixth show, okay, I lied. Six honorable mention is The White Lotus, which was a HBO show that came out. Oh my days, that didn't make your top 10. It was close, it was close, but. That's a show that I wanted to talk about, but I thought, no, I, I heard enough like discussion. Like, I, I there were spaces and clubhouse rooms about this, you know? But I figured it would be on your list, so I was like, I'll leave it. It was very close to making my top 10. All, all of these shows were actually very close to making my top 10. Was was a was a top decision. Okay, so. My top 10. 
10 is Reservation Dogs. At this point, I'm very wary of plainly describing shows as comedies. Because the first thing most people think about is the classic sitcom structure, right? And a lot of quote-unquote comedies have moved past that. Obviously, there are still sitcoms being made. Nobody's arguing that. But like a lot of the popular and actually, honestly, very, very good comedies aren't really the sitcom of where you have to have five big jokes every 10 minutes <laughs> because you have to keep them through the ad break, right? Even Ted Lasso, which is um, is like probably the most um, classical sitcom-like show that is not on a network channel, that is on a streamer or whatever, you can go... 15 minutes without a laugh on the show because everybody's depressed and sad things are happening. Like, that's kind of like the landscape of comedies now. You had a big time when sitcoms were the big shows and then you had Veep and Silicon Valley where it's funnier but also with more of a storyline. And then... That was a good era. You now have the comedies, quote-unquote, uh, like Rami and Dave and Atlanta where they can be an entire episode where there's no joke. It's just people being sad. <laughs> But it's still a quote-unquote comedy because it's 20, 30 minutes. So Reservation Dogs also airs on FX, which is probably a channel that's bringing out some of my best half-hour shows right now. Honestly, at this point, if it's FX, I'm watching. Yeah, yeah. FX is like... So Reservation Dogs follows that that um, model established by Atlanta, followed by Dave, where I remember once saying, I was like, oh, if you liked Atlanta, you probably like the show. But then that's just a terrible because they're not the same show. But... My thinking was that the sense that, like, it's a comedy, quote-unquote, but there's a storyline. But also, it could just be an entire episode where Paperboy has to get his hair cut. Mm-hmm. Weird shit happen. And that's how Reservation Dogs is. You can have different episodes that are focused on the different characters and different things happening. No, I agree. It follows a group of four, I believe, yeah, four yeah. teenagers in Oklahoma, all Native American, and they're trying to get out of Oklahoma and go to California. So trying to save up enough money. All the cast, all the crew, I believe, are Native American. It's created by Sterling Harjo and Taika Watiti. And yeah, it's it has this thing where it's so specific that makes it so funny. So like it's like you know that this person, the person that wrote this line is Native American. Like they know what they're doing. And there are some jokes that I know I'm like, oh, I don't get that joke, but it's still funny. Because the person that created it is someone that I don't have to explain. It's someone that lives that world, yeah, right? And they they experience that reality and would be able to like present it to us in a way that we can digest it. Yeah. It's on Disney Plus for anyone that's outside America, and I just it was a really good show. I liked it. I think some of the episodes where a character just goes and does like something not directly related to the main plot or main storyline, just some of the best episodes of TV I would this year. I know you want to talk about reservation dogs. Do you want, do you want to drop any other thing? Yeah, um, I mean, you've, you've, you've pretty much covered the pitch of the show. Um, so I'll just go into what I liked about it. For one, I didn't know any, other than Tycho himself, I didn't know any of like the cast and crew going to the show. So it was a completely unique experience for me, which is good. So you're going in with no expectation of what this person might do or be like. Um but when I first started to watch it, before I before I even decided to watch the show, I kept hearing about the representation, which we just talked about, uh, but not enough about the actual quality of the show. And so, it, but it just turns out that the show in itself is one of twenty twenty one's probably hidden gems. It's not so hidden; mm-hmm. it's it's there if you if you look for top shows. But it's one of the most beautiful shows I came across this year. Like you said, each episode can probably, well, not each, not every single episode, but it can probably function standalone. This is an adventure that happens in this episode. And what we get is instead of the traditional story where we follow these characters um, through a series of events over time to reach a goal, we instead just watch the characters live. Mm-hmm. And we start to we start to understand them. So we see we start to see well i'm not going to go into spoiler territory but we start to see some things that have happened to them leading up to the decisions in the finale we start Mm -hmm. to see the interactions between them and their family members and what makes them um what they long for and i think what's best about the show and probably what ties all the shows that i have talked about together is the honesty in which their characters are presented they are not necessarily following any known tropes or any standard character types that we're used to. 
they just simply, even if it's a situation we might have seen in something before, they're just saying, here's a character, here's how realistically they might respond to this in the world. This is something else that could happen to them. And they, they, they're just funny. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them is funny somehow. Yeah, I mean, one of the characters who I was like, oh, okay, this is just like a, not a nothing character, but like he's, a, he's really a sidekick and I'm probably not going to remember your name in like the first two episodes ends up being like one of the best characters towards the end. So like, yeah, every every character just get that chance to grow. Mm. Uh, my number nine show is the HBO Max comedy Hacks. Oh, I didn't watch this. I know I just said I don't like calling shows comedies, but like it's a comedy. So Hacks is HBO Max. It's created by Jen Statsky, who has written on The Good Place, Parks and Rec, oh. um, Broad City. She co-created it with the married couple, Lucia Agnello and Paul Downs, who also wrote and directed on Broad City. The show stars Gene Smart, who has been cashing in those HBO checks for the last five years, so good on you, Gene, and Hannah Einbinder. So Gene Smart is kind of like an aging Las Vegas comic, so kind of like, um, oh, what's her name? The woman that used to do um, Fashion Police. John Rose. Joan Rivers. So yeah, kind of like the, the Joan Rivers type. And Hannah Einbinder is like a Gen Z comic who is brought on to try and freshen up Gen Smart act. And then... Oh, I remember watching this trailer. Yeah, it was one of a really, really, really solid season. Like I think as it went on, the episodes just kept getting better. It was one of my more enjoyable watches of, of, of the year. So Hacks, HBO Max. Number eight is Hashtag representation. Hashtag black love. It's Love Life Season 2, starring William Jackson Harper and Jessica Williams. That's another HBO Max show on this episode. So, Love Life is an anthology show that tracks, essentially, the love life of its main character. Mm. The first season starred Anna Kendrick, who is another person close to my heart. And anthology, for anyone who doesn't know, means different storylines every season. So the second season... Or episode. Or episode, yes. The second season stars William Jackson Harper. William Jackson Harper, for people who might not know the name, it was Chidi on The Good Place. He was also on Barry Jenkins' Underground Railroad earlier this year, which I did not watch because emotional strength. <laughs> um, William Jackson Harper is very good in it. Is so charming, so funny. Is it fictional or is it based on a person's true experience, but then someone else acts it out and it? Fictional is often is a made up story. It's a made up story. Um, season two is much better than season one. So if you liked season one, which I did to an extent, you would love season two. But you can watch season two without. Yeah, you can watch like the spoiler, like literally in the first scene, Anna Kendrick's character Darby shows up in season two, which kind of explains how. William Jackson Harper's character enters the story, but you don't need to have watched season two, season one to watch season two. I would suggest you did because I am a psychopath and I like things being done in order, but you don't have to. So you can just go into season two. It's really its own story. Um, Ariane Moed, who is Stewie on Succession, is also on this show playing a very scumbaggery rich person as well, who is also with a heart of gold, which is just incredible. I would. 100% so does anyone to watch Love Life Season 2 and Season 1, but most importantly Season 2. Number 7 of the year, which I think might cause Jeremiah to end his connection, is WandaVision. WandaVision by 7. <laughs> Redo it, but that's number 2 at the minimum. Uh, okay. Um, WandaVision by 7 best show of the year. I'm not going to talk about WandaVision because, Jesus Christ, if you don't know about WandaVision, you're not, not going to watch it based on this podcast. Um, but I really loved the show when it came out. I was charmed with every episode. I was charmed with Elizabeth Olsen's performance. Let me just um, say that, like, like, I trust your judgment, but from this point now, I am scrutinizing every show you mentioned. That's fair. But I'm very confident in every show that I have above WandaVision, actually. I'm just looking at it and I'm like, okay. yeah, yeah, better show. And I probably had a better time watching you. I mean, I'm probably, I wouldn't be surprised if there are. I just haven't watched it. Uh, but yeah, WandaVision, like, the only reason, honestly, is probably this low on my list is the finale. I have, yeah, I just feel like it could have. So, 
that's yeah. So one division is my number seven. Go watch. I can't even say go watch one division. If you're not watching, then you're not gonna watch it. Just forget about it. Number six is a show that you should go watch. And Jeremiah has like sat up and he's trying to like <laughs> find holes in my in my discussion. But yeah, go watch it, man. Number six is Invincible. Hmm. I knew. No, I, <laughs> I knew the show would come up. I had a feeling it would come up in the top ten because it it was an excellent show. But guess what? I'm guess not what? sure that I placed it. Guess what? But... It's my list and not yours. Fair enough. Right. Fair enough. I'll say this: the seven six five, the area I'm in right now, very very close, and we're probably the most difficult for me in terms of placement. Um. Yeah, but Six is Invincible. Invincible is a great show. We spoke about it on the podcast as well, as as we did Wonder Vision earlier in the podcast run. Great adaptation. I never read the comic books, and I don't want to start now, even though I'm, <laughs> I really want to, but I don't want to go. I want to watch the show. I don't want this show to be spoiled for me. Yeah, same. Yeah, Invincible, great Robert Kirkman adaptation, incredible voice cast. We've done all this, like, just a really good show, bloody, whatever. The points have been raised. Just a voice cast points of race. <laughs> I, I I said five, six, seven were all very close. Number five is Loki. You have Loki over Wonder Vision. Mm, that one I'm not agreeing with. Loki nails the finale. Loki does what Wonder Vision cannot do. I knew and, that. That's oh. what it would be. The thing is, I love the Wonder Vision finale too. But like, I knew I, it was the finale that the would get only you Loki. thing. The only thing that takes Loki over Wonder, like literally, literally the only thing that takes Loki over Wonder is the finale. I they did not resort to throwing CGI stuff at themselves in the air. It was the you, you I mean you were on the podcast where we spoke about the finale, so I don't really have yeah. to go back to the game. It was introduction of Jonathan Majors in powerless performance. Um yeah, so Loki to me is a better show. But like I have no qualms with anyone who has one division above Loki or whatever. So Loki is my number five. Again, if I have to pitch Loki to you, then it's you're not interested in watching it, so Before that's fine. Before we go on, then I just want to say, I think, I think my ranking of those, I think it would be tough for me as well with those three, but I still think I would have One Division on top, Invis- Invincible. Just, I think it would be the, the reverse of what you did, or maybe Loki might be above Invincible, but I think I have One Division just slightly on top. People are listening to this. I'm like, why do you even have any of those three in your top ten? Honestly, guys, you know why? Because I'm a nerd, man. I I get it. I should probably have Underground Railroad here. Oh god. And man. but yeah. I just sometimes personal taste just overcome. My number four is the great. I'm not even gonna do any this any stupid pun because I'm better than that. I'm not, but I don't want to. Um earlier when I spoke about the greats a few episodes back, I mistakenly and so angry that I did it, but I said that it was starring Dakota Fanning. It's not starring Elle Fanning, her sister. So, oh no, I know about that. I apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the great. So okay, first of all, the show is a very, very loosely based story on Catherine the Great. Every episode starts with starts with an asterisk that says an occasionally true story. So. A lot of liberties are taken. Yeah, it's not as anachronistic as Dickinson is, which is another show I I quite like, and I just had to mention because Dickinson dropped two seasons this year, and it's a very good show, but I just couldn't make my my top ten. It's not as anachronistic as Dickinson, but it does feel a, a lot modernized. It's not it's not just people wearing wigs and corsets and speaking in old timey English. I heard a critic describe it as succession in corsets. And while that's not entirely true, it the, it does have some truth to it. The jokes fly at a mile a minute. Mm. The jokes are flying. The c word is flying. The betrayals are flying. It's it's a really really good show. In my opinion, Nicholas Holt is delivering the best performance by an actor on TV that is not on either a show called Succession or named. Bob Odenkirk. King Peter is probably the worst character, not only on this show, but on TV. But the way Nicholas Holt performs him, it's, it, the worse he gets, the more 
captivated you are with the character, the more you feel for the character. When you say the worst person on TV, in what context? Because I'm about to raise you, Kevin. Person, like, is it evil person or He's just very... like an irritant? No, no, evil person. Okay, never mind. Then. King Peter very often says that the only three things he's good at are eating, fucking, and killing. He's right on all three, but he says that very often. Uh, so I'm saying, like, that's the kind of character he is. I realize we have a lot of, like, villain, like, male villains like that, like, those king, husband, father figures on, like, on our list this year. Yeah, because men, men are trash. Hi guys, just a quick reminder that if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can of course rate and review this podcast. And now, if you're listening on Spotify, you can also rate this podcast. It's right there on our show page. Just give us a five-star rating. Whether you like us or not, just drop five stars. We are very pro-corruption on this podcast. And I hope you enjoyed the rest of this podcast. 10 out of 10, boys. Okay, the top three. The final three. The podium. My third best show of 2021. I'm sorry, Sumter, if you're listening. It's Mayor of Easttown. So we said Mayor of Kingstown earlier. Two different shows. Mayor yeah, of no. Kingstown, a violent show starring Jamie Renner. Mayor of Easttown, a violent show starring Kate Winslet. Different. Come on. Sorry. Like I said, it's starring Kate Winslet as a small town police detective. Like, almost all the HBO mystery shows, <laughs> somebody dies, and then you have to figure out who it was. And it's, like, the very best of those shows, i.e. Big Little Lies. It's a show where you very, very quickly become more invested in the lives of these people than this central mystery of who died and who did it and whatever. Incredible performance from Kate Winslet, Gene Smart as well. It's a miniseries, so only one season. Um... Mm. I believe Kate Winslet won the Emmy for this show. Oh, it's a really good show and one of my best shows of of the year. Number two, it's Ted Lasso, Theodore oh. Lasso. Yes. No. Yeah. I love it so much, but I, I like with the other shows that I haven't seen. I'm like, fair enough. I haven't seen them. Maybe I'll see them. Man. But with this one, no, I'm not having ever one. Yeah, that's. That's fair. That's I'm never gonna argue with you. It is. It's better than it's better than Wonder Vision. It is. Yeah, Ted Lasso, man. I what a season. I really like the second season. I remember there was this trying people trying to do something online, which I knew was gonna happen. It happened with succession as well. When when it shows popularity, blows up like, oh, it's not that good. Okay, I don't care. You're dumb. <laughs> um, I really like the second season of. Actually, let me just go back. So obviously. When the first three episodes dropped, or when it was even announced, I was like, oh, well, your business show based on that commercial that I watched in uni halls. What are you talking about? And then I had very low standards for, for the first three episodes when they dropped. And then the first three, I watched the first three, and I was like, wait, is this good? And I think the fact that I expected it to be bad, like only murders, and then it became so good and so funny and so heartfelt and so emotional and so like disarming. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a re- revelation. So, I'm obviously not going to talk about specific plot points, but like what happens in season two, the arcs, lots of the characters go on. Jason Sudeikis' performance is, is incredible for me. It, it's a marvel. Um, I think he's done some of the best acting he's ever done in his career on this show. Um, and I just like a show that, like, it's difficult to film football. Mm. Yeah, but as a football fan, I just like the fact that they obviously. There are some. They, they make some mistakes. They say some things that, like, that, should, that will not happen, but like they, they take their time and they obviously have attention to detail. So that, I appreciate that. But yeah, Ted Lasso, again, another show that if you don't know about this show, then you're not going to watch it. Like, I can't, this was one of the biggest shows last two years. So if you don't know about it, then there's no point in me trying to pitch it to you. Um, There's no, I don't, there's no need to do any like suspense or whatever. Because I think anyone who's been on this podcast even once would know what my number one show of the year yeah. is. Yeah. Um... It was Brooklyn Nine Nine? I really love this season of Brooklyn Nine Nine. This final season it was quite fair good. enough. Yeah, yeah. No, that, no, I haven't. I haven't actually seen. I haven't finished Brooklyn Nine Nine this season. Why did I did I miss any show off my list? 
No, no, no. Um, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, like, no, I no. feel like we've was well, saying goodbye to, to the gang. Chick Perot. He's now he's okay. Well, obviously, my number one show is the tragedy of the Roys. It's succession. It's, in my opinion, the best show on TV. Definitely top two of all shows on TV. Of all time or, or currently? Well, Aaron currently. Where do you think so far Succession after this latest century ranks all time? If I'm you not gonna can. do that. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that with you. That that involves way too much mental, mental. Yeah, thinking. no, I'm just like, and that's like if you can conceptualize it. But... Yeah, I can't. I cannot. You need to wait for the show to finish and then decide. Mm. Because if you had asked me four seasons into Game of Thrones where it, where it lands, <laughs> I'd have a very different answer to what I have at the end. <laughs> so, um, Fair enough. I'm not gonna talk about Succession because we've spoken about it for like the last. 10 weeks, we have over <laughs> 10, 12 episodes on the show. I just really love the show. The finale of the air last week. We have an episode on it on this feed. Succession is the one show that I was going to take over WandaVision. It's... What you're saying is that WandaVision is the second best show that came out this year. That's just not true. Like, I don't <laughs> know how you can lie to yourself that that's true. It's the second best show that I watched this year. But yeah, you know what? I think that's a good point to end it, where I can tell you that yeah. you're wrong. I wonder if it was a second best show of 2021. And I'll disagree, but we're friends. Anyway, I'm going to cut so that part out. Um, <laughs> okay, Jeremiah, thank you very much for being on this podcast. Thanks. Yeah, guys, we're going to have a few little episodes lined up the next few weeks before we round out and go on our winter break. And obviously, when we come back, we'll be doing deep deepish dives into some of the, our best movies of the year as we head down towards Oscars 2022. So, um, Jeremiah, thank you for being on. Thank you for coming to share some TV shows with our listeners. Hopefully we've given at least one or two people, the one or two that listen to us, new shows to watch. Thanks for having me. Yeah, obviously, shout out to my co-host, Obira George Fletcher. Shout out to our producers, obviously, Ibu Kanamani, social producer, Chinidui Heji. Shout out to you guys for coming back after we finish Succession. And yeah, have a great Christmas break, everyone. And yeah, we'll be back very soon to talk more TV and more film and all those other rubbish that we seem to care about. Bye, guys.